This is Democracy, a podcast that explores the interracial, intergenerational, and intersectional unheard voices living in the world's most influential democracy. Welcome to our new episode of This is Democracy. Today, we're going to talk about climate change and environmental activism. Uh, We live in a moment when it appears that uh, climate change is becoming a dire necessity uh, for policy attention, uh, particularly as fires burn in Brazil, as we have record high temperatures around the world, as water levels rise, and as ice seems to melt. And we're in a moment when uh, national policymakers, particularly in the United States, seem unable to take effective action. Today we're going to talk about uh, the creative, important, enduring actions that are being taken at the local level by young people, particularly students, and local elected representatives. Uh, We have with us uh, Matthew Kim. Matthew is the president of the Austin chapter of Students for Climate Action. He's also the District 10 in Austin representative for the Austin Youth Council. And he's a junior, even though he's already achieved these things, he's only a junior at St. Stephen's School here in Austin. Matthew, welcome. Oh, thank you. Glad to join. It's great to have you on here and great to learn all about your activism. And we also have with us uh, one of the dynamos of local politics in Austin, uh, City Councilwoman Allison Alzer. Nice to have you here, Allison. I'm excited to be here for this important conversation. It is a very important conversation. And since it's an important conversation, we will start with an important poem from Zachary Suri. What's the title of your poem, Zachary? <laughs> not scene setting today. Not What is it again? It's not scene setting today. It's not scene setting today. No, we have an important poem that's also scene setting. Yes, what is your poem? Uh, this one is called The Only Ones. The Only Ones. Please, let's hear it. Are we the only ones who care, the only ones who can remember the earth beneath our feet, the soil that sticks to the bottom of our sneakers? Are we the only ones who drive between the valleys of Steinbeck's dream and can remember the flower-traced raging river Salinas Valley under the paved highway? And is the earth the only thing that we can't find in the stacks of the library of the interwebbed machines and the cells stacked inside our head? And why is it that every movie's greatest scene is some grandiose view of natural wonder, zoomed out on a mythical train flying across the mire, the match cut of a bone in the sky of an African desert? And that we absorb like toothpaste the importance of everything around us, but you can only stare at the toothbrush and wonder at it disintegrating in your hands. Except we are on the edge of a waterfall, hanging like every tragic hero from a weakening twig. And as others yell about taking a knee at the national anthem or buying pieces of our planet swamped in ice, is it only us who can see how far we have to fall? And comfortably you watch your phones in the dark like you can ignore hurricanes, like you can ignore fire falling from the sky. And are we stuck, we who will inherit your debt to the earth, selling off parts of our lifeline at your estate sale? And for what price will we sell our homes to save our lives? For what price can we let go of water? You can't teach life and death in school. You can teach the greenhouse effect, the human cause. You can teach science, the ozone layer, but you can't teach us life and death. You can't teach us for the end of the world. Hmm. That's a ponderous poem, Zachary. What What is your central message? Uh, my central message, I think, is something that I think a lot of young people are feeling today, and I'm sure Matthew does as well, and that is that uh, that that climate change is a very personal uh looming issue for many young people because it's something that we will have to deal with in our future and our children children will have to deal with in the future and it's very frustrating to see um to see many politicians and others uh, especially on the national level ignore 
um, these issues and instead choose to focus on petty political arguments. Right, right. and your poem captures how serious this is and, and in, in a way how obvious it is too. Matthew, do you agree with Zachary's assessment? Totally. I was. That was a great poem. I mean, I think that the youth, young people, we're now now that we're older, we're looking towards our future, we're looking towards what our jobs will be like, how we'll raise our future kids, and we're seeing a trend that's going um, downhill, and we're seeing negative effects take place today, and negative effects place, take place um, when I was growing up, and now I'm kind of like looking back on different things like the droughts, and our floods, and Hurricane Harvey, and I think all of what you said was completely true. Yeah. Uh, what do you say, Matthew, to those who say, well, we don't know whether climate change is happening? How, how do you know this is really happening? Well, when you look at just current current patterns in the climate, you look at, you know, there's been ice age. There's a cycle where you have hotter periods and warmer periods and colder periods. But you have never seen such a high level of things like carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. You know, we have Greenland melting as we speak. The Arctic Circle in Antarctica, it was 94 degrees not that long ago. These things, are they're not normal. And I don't think that all of these things lined up perfectly just out of the blue, naturally, just randomly. And do you feel that uh, young people share that view? Is this, a, is this a wide consensus among your friends and colleagues? I think they do. Generally, when I think of my future, you know, I'm now expecting hurricanes and droughts and I know that's not supposed to be what's expected because, I mean, Hurricane Harvey, one of the cities, they experienced a one in 500,000 year right. rainfall. And if that can happen once, of course, it can happen again. Sure. And situations are only becoming worse sure. in that Gulf Coast. So, Allison, do you and other city leaders share Matthew's assessment about how dire and significant this moment is? I think we do. We have in Austin had a tradition of being concerned about the quality of our climate and have actively pursued um, steps for many, many years. We have goals of uh, net zero by 2050 and zero waste by 2040. We own our own energy company, so utilities, so we have a 65% renewable goal by 2027, and by 2020 we'll be at 61%. So we have for a long time pursued steps that we can take. I think, though, that recently we've had to take stock and accelerate our thinking hmm. and really recognize how much climate change can impact us as a city. Right. And, and what are the hindrances? Why can't we do more? Part of the hindrance is that a lot of the direction needs to happen from the state and federal level, both in terms of regulations, but also in terms of resources. Because we've waited so long as a country, the amount of resources that we need to have to take action um, to stop climate change is enormous, but also to be resilient to the impacts of climate change is quite enormous. Interesting. And, and Matthew, do you see uh, students contributing to this discussion of policymaking in addition to raising awareness about these issues? I think the past two years, yes, students are now, including myself, students are now focusing on policy and seeing what we can change. But I think as a whole, especially places like Texas, where they don't really teach government mm. or civics in class, I think people are very distant and kind of 
like zoned out of the whole policy making. And when students come out to strike, you know, they come out to strike with good intentions, but a lot of these students don't actually know that policymakers, representatives are right at the door and they're very accessible. Right, right. So what are you doing? What are your group doing to, to fix oh, that? Well, my group is doing, well, first of all, like we've met, we've introduced ourselves to many policymakers, including um, Councilmember Alter, and we've met with some of the state representatives, our Texas representatives in Austin, and um, we're currently in a little resolution um, writing process. And so um, next year, you know, when they can, like in November, they'll be able to start filing um for new laws to be put in the next session, mm -hmm. um, we'll start working with them a little bit more. So you guys are really engaging in grassroots activism, it sounds yes, like. Yes, yes. And is this something that uh, Students for Climate Action are doing around the country? Yes, and actually, interestingly enough, um, the Students for Climate Action in New York, they were with the mayor, um, sorry, not the mayor, the New York governor when he was signing their climate bill. And uh, yeah. Interesting, so is this coordinated among students around the country? Um, well, we kind of operate a little bit independently because we're so far apart and we're in completely different political environments. Sure. But generally, I believe students have like the same kind of goal and the same path in mind, but they may not be working like closely with each other, but kind of like meeting once a month. Or sure, something. sure. So helping each other, but working separately for the local conditions that, yes, you, yes. that you face. And Allison, does, does this make a difference? Some some cynics might say, well, so students are concerned about this. Who cares? Does, does it make a difference to you as a, as a policymaker? It certainly does. Well, Matthew is my constituent. He came to speak at our citizen communication and uh, we've been in touch. And then he did an internship with one of my colleagues this summer as well. And um as a politician, when young people come up and speak to us, our ears perk up a little bit and we pay a little bit more attention. We know they have a lot of competing demands um, and we have an obligation to future generations. So we absolutely do pay attention. As a policymaker who wants us to do more in this area, I would say that student voices are extremely important for helping us to keep attention on the issue, to help focus resources, both in terms of dollars, but in terms of staff time and in terms of attention. Great. Zachary, you had a question? Well, many of us see these sort of uh, very drastic uh, reports of climate change and the effects that it's going to have very recently. And, and many of us uh, have can't even imagine the effects that, that many experts are saying that climate change will have if not reversed. And, and so many of us turn away from learning about these issues and, and just try and ignore it and go on with our daily lives. How do you, do, how do you respond to students who feel that way? Well, I believe that no matter what in the future, we will be upfront in, in the face of climate change and we'll have to respond. And I know that many people, you know, in Hurricane Harvey, they had to respond because their houses were destroyed and people in places like Port Aransas, it looked completely different and it still will be completely different if you go today. And I think that once students have that one-on-one -on -one experience with climate change, you know, they'll start to act. And I believe it is a climate crisis and that um, people will come around and will start um, learning about it, if not, if they've already experienced it. And in a way, the, the sense of crisis can focus people's attention, right? Yes, yes. And that is precisely why here in Austin, um, the other week, we declared a climate emergency. We joined about 900 other jurisdictions in declaring an emergency, and we're calling on the federal government and the state government to do the same. 
we have a problem and we need to name it and we need to call it an emergency. And by actually stating that we have an emergency, we need to marshal the resources that are needed to address that. Um, and we as leaders need to call it an emergency and take the actions that are within our purview. Um, but the students also need to act. There are individual steps that folks can take. You can carry your water bottle, you can ride your bike, you can take your, take the bus, you can um, fly a little bit less on the airplanes. There's a lot of different things that individuals can do that if everyone did, they would add up to big impacts. And we shouldn't underestimate the power we have to make even small changes. Sure, the power of example. Mm -hmm. for for example. So do you, Matthew, think that your generation approaches these issues differently, even from other young people like me? Uh, of course. I mean, it's particularly at my school, right? Um, at my school, with my Earth Club, we do a lot of composting. I do a lot of lunch announcements. We do a lot of social media. And I find with um, older retired individuals, particularly groups like 350 Austin, you know, they have monthly meetings. They like to go to different community events. They like talking to them within the community, and um, they, they focus a lot on the community and on politics. While we as students, we kind of focus on ourselves yes. and kind of trying to spread the message within the student mm -hmm, body. Mm -hmm. and, and in the end, do you think that'll make a difference? Do you, do you see yourselves carrying these habits forward as you get older? I do think so, because, I mean, once we're in college, once we're out of college, starting with families, you know, that same kind of culture, I hope, stays with every one of us, and we can continue maybe even having more positive effects on our um, lifestyles. Not to be a pessimist, but we need to take action now so that they have that future in yes. which to yes. ask. I used to think what we were teaching our kids and that would change everything, but uh, particularly in the last few weeks and as we prepared the climate emergency resolution and, and you, you're always learning more, but when you see the wildfires in the Amazon and the Arctic melting and all sorts of things, the hottest July on summer, it, it's hard not to think that Mother Nature is upset with us and yes. you know we, we only have so much time left. And so... We can't just wait for this generation to grow up. We have to be acting now, and we need them to be acting in concert with all of us and forcing us to act. Right. And, and so what's most helpful? What should they do to help elected leaders like yourself who do care about these issues? Well, I think you want to speak a little bit about the action day that you have planned and showing up and, and speaking out. That's one concrete thing coming up that they hey. can be involved in. Yes, of course. Uh, on September 20th, we're going to have a climate strike slash rally, depending what you feel. And um, on that day from 9 a.m., we're going to walk out of our classrooms, homes, respected places of work, because we don't want to only include youth, but um, adults in the community. And starting at around 12, we'll have speakers at the state capitol, and then around four, we'll kind of end the end the strike. But the main point of the strike is to point out to the Texas state leaders that the youth and citizens in the state, they're worried about climate, their climate crisis. And they believe that they should focus on their climate crisis. And we ask that they put that on one of their number one priorities, because we know down down the road that it's going to affect every every life of every Texan. And so we want our lives to be we want our lives to be not only livable, but, you know, be enjoyable. We want to be able to walk outside, run during the day, not have 107 degree weather um, just around the corner. And we think that it should be one of the number one priorities. And so that's why we think a strike 
particularly this international strike, which um, all over the world, um, last strike, March 15th, 123 countries had wow. youth striking. Wow. And we believe that number can grow. And I'm op- optimistic that um, our 100 strikers at last strike in Austin will increase to maybe 500. And then maybe further down the road, we'll go again to the state capitol and even have a larger showing. And, and who is your audience? Is it just members of, uh, of uh, the state government and the national government? Or is it a broader community? Well, we believe, of course, we'd hope for it to be a broader community. And our main goal, I think, is to the state and to the city to show that we Austinites and we Texans are worried about it. And if it goes to the federal level, we'll welcome it. Mm-hmm. You know, we are hoping that um, some U.S. representatives from the Congress may want to speak. And even in the future, we'll reach out to them still and hope that they start paying attention to us. And because I think Texas is a particularly good point to start um, the climate conversation with is because we produce a lot of CO2. You know, Houston, um, it's like the oil capital of the right, U.S. Right. Yeah. And I think that it would be a great place to start in terms of, you know, turning around the U.S.'s carbon footprint and trying to get that net carbon zero um, emission to be like... So it sounds like it's a parallel to the Me Too movement in many ways. I think that our climate movement, um, like the civil rights movement, Me Too movement, and uh, pretty much almost all the movements um, in our history, it's all kind of interconnected because a lot of people from March for Our Lives, they're actually in involved in planning this because it's similar, similar kind of strikes, rally rally and um again like the me too movement we've had other people who've stepped in to like offer support and you know they're involved with human women's rights and i think just because climate climate kind of covers everything because you know climate is involved with i think lower income communities are affected the most by climate change because you know these chemical factories they've been placed they're strategically placed to be away from higher income communities and the only like the lower income communities, the minority communities are the ones who suffer. And um, all of those movements to try and uplift um, those members of those communities, I think um, they're kind of in, in they're working together with the climate movement. It's very powerful. And it's also historically uh, accurate, right? Over time, it has been movements like the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, uh, LGBT movements that were populated by young people that were ahead of our politicians and then pulled our politicians along. Is, is that going to happen now, Allison? Are, are these students going to pull us along? I hope so. I hope so. I think um, here in Austin, we're already moving in the right direction, but we can do more and, and we need folks holding us accountable to our declaration of emergency and our desire to invest the resources to create a safer climate. Zachary, you had a question on this. Well, I, I think it's more... Um... I think it's it's more of a it's more of a comment because I think that many of the historical moments that Matthew mentioned teach us is not only do we need cooperation and uh, between uh, between city government and, and national government and state government and young people. I think we also need to to encourage and to allow young people into these institutions. Yes, because I think one of the things that's really been missing is that young people care about these issues and in many ways they haven't uh they haven't been corrupted in a sense by the sort of uh the uh energy uh industry in our in our country and these or, sort or of bad habits yeah. that many of us grew up with in a different time or, or the images of like gas guzzling cars is something that everyone must have and and i think that young people really bring a new perspective 
to government. And it's not just money that's ruining our politics. I think it's also the fact that there are so many people of, of, of an older generation uh, who don't quite understand the way that these issues speak to young people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You agree, Alison? I agree that we need the voices of young people, and that's why I support things like the Youth Council. I'll be speaking at the Climate Action Day. Um, change comes by a lot of people coming together and demanding it, and so I think that's part of what this is about. If I might, I wanted to build a little bit on the conversation so far. We've talked a lot about how this is an existential crisis. Uh, Matthew brought up some very real equity issues that matter when we have this conversation. But the economics of it, from a city's perspective, from a business perspective, are really important to have on the table. We now have to be asking different questions about our infrastructure. Our infrastructure was not built to withstand the kind of climate shifts, the kind of natural disaster events that we experience, and so its lifespan will be less. We have to factor that into how we do that. Here in central Texas, we are currently in attainment with respect to air quality, but we are very much on the verge of losing that status. And if and when we become a non-attainment zone, we stand to potentially lose billions of dollars um, economically as we adjust to the requirements that will be placed on us as a community. And just briefly, what does attainment mean in this context? So there's a certain level of clean air that you need to be at. I don't have the statistic of of which particles per mill or what the measurement is. But if you um, don't succeed in being that having that clean of air, then you fall into this non-attainment category. And when you're in that non-attainment category, the federal government places lots of restrictions on you that you have to obey in order to be able to get transportation money and other kinds of things. Um, But they have impacts on development and other things like that. Um, But there are also costs to businesses of having to be flood-proof and fire-proof. And um, we as a city have to take seriously um, how we plan for those events and we have to invest in those instead of other things we would want to be investing in. Right. And and this is true at the national level as well. The U.S. Department of Defense has done a lot of studies that have indicated that climate change is going to cost the U.S. Department of Defense a lot more money to maintain bases, to maintain appropriate fuels for different uh, vehicles and things of that sort. So this, there, there are costs to not addressing this issue. It's not simply altruism. Uh, in many ways. Um, our, our podcast is always about democratic renewal and the positive opportunities for us out there. Uh, what are you most optimistic about, Matthew? What, what, what makes you believe, as I know you do believe, that Students for Climate Action, uh, that you're going to have an effect, that you're going to change things? What, what, what makes you optimistic? Well, I believe that um, as a U.S. citizen, we're very lucky to live in a, a country that actually, the democracy, the representatives, they listen to their constituents. Mm-hmm. And most, 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 uh, most uh, representatives, and I believe we have the opportunity to talk to those representatives um, and maybe convert them to becoming a climate change, like to believing in it. And I think that just in the future, um, we'll start. I think that just our system will start slowly changing, and once people start realizing it and are affected, because around the world there's supposed to be an estimated one billion climate immigrants just because. Of places where there's no water right. and just uh, like, or they're underwater. Right. Places like Miami, you right. know, they're predicted to be underwater and they have, they're they the largest asset city in the world that will be um, completely covered by the, by the ocean. Right. And once those 
um, cities with lots of people and lots of money, particularly once they start realizing how important this is to confront, then you know I believe the U.S. government uh, will take action. And I be- I know that um, President Trump he's mentioned that he wants to leave the Paris Agreement, but actually uh, there's the day after the next election is the first day that the U.S. can legally leave. So I believe that you know the U.S. as a whole will take responsibility for it, and I think they'll. Um, Hope for the best. And and do you see evidence that people are listening to students like you, that older people are listening? I do believe because especially in the communities where climate activism has, they've been doing it for, you know, a couple decades and they're, they're very inspired by us. Um, particularly when I've spoken with uh, organizations like 350 Austin, another organization called Sustainable Living Guide, they're very excited to have our high school and college yes. voices and they celebrate it, you know, we're relatively popular within the community because we want to take action and they see us like they saw themselves um, many decades ago and they want to help us as much as we sure. they can. It's hard to gain, say, young people who want to protect the world for the future, right? <laughs> yes, and particularly young people who are motivated to act on um, the, the uh, crisis. Right. Zachary, you wanted to come in on this? Well, I just think that what Matthew's saying is really is really important for for us to understand as yes. we move into another election cycle is that the the power of of uh, of what Allison was dictating about pragmatic politics and getting young people involved in our democratic processes processes is really important and I think that hopefully as as Matthew articulated in 20 years we will look back on this podcast and and say uh how uh, silly we were to be somewhat pessimistic about the future of our of our world, and and how uh, coming back to your poem, how we are finally uh, adjusting and finally doing something about this, and finally realizing the problem. Yes, yes. Well, I, th- I think that's a perfect note for us to close on. Uh, as always, uh, the solutions, as Zachary has said many times before, are in front of us. And our podcast today and in all episodes is about activating those democratic impulses that provide the energy and ingenuity and insight for moving our society forward. Uh, Matthew, thank you for all that you do. I hope many, many young people listening will join Students for Climate Action and other groups. Thank you, Matthew. Oh, thank you for having me. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you on. Uh, Allison, thank you for your leadership at the local level and for the model you provide to so many other Uh, elected officials and citizens of leadership with integrity and forward-looking vision. Thank you. Thank you. Before we conclude, though, Matthew, would you like to tell people how they can join you on the strike on the 20th? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, We've created our uh, coalition called Austin Climate Coalition, ACCO or ACCO. It's kind of cute. And you can follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook event. We also have an Instagram. And um, as far as Students for Climate Action, uh, we have our Austin chapter Instagram at S4CA Austin. Um, and we, you can find us also at our national one, um, at Students for Climate Action. And if you have any uh, concerns or you want to join, uh, you can uh, email me at matthewkimtx at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to respond. Fantastic. You still use email? Oh, yes. Of I, course. I, yeah. My students sometimes say I'm a dinosaur for using email. Oh, no worries. I mean, email is a good way to res- correspond. <laughs> good way to save the earth. The way to exactly. save the earth. Thank you, Matthew, Allison, and of course, Zachary, for another wonderful poem. And thank you for listening to This Is Democracy. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. 
The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday featuring new perspectives on democracy.